Louie. Hello, Gavin. Welcome to our very wonderful holiday edition of... I wish we had like a soundboard like Alaska uh, yeah. and Willow. Exactly. And it could be like... <laughs> March bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But except it would be like Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, Welcome to our holiday edition of The Mixed Reviews. We're a film podcast in which we take an actor, a director, or a film subject such as a mini genre, and we talk about the good, we talk about the bad, and we give you a full history. I'm doing things with my hands. You yeah. can't see them. We watch as much as we can. Oh, we watch so much. And we do our best. Yes. So it, it is the season to be busy. Absolutely. Is what I like to say. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If you guys, uh, if you're playing the home game, you'll notice that it has not been two weeks. Normally, we take two weeks in between a film subject, but we took extra long with Mark Ruffalo. And we wanted to make sure this episode got out before the holidays. Mm-hmm. So here we are presenting you our annual holiday episode. Yes. Uh, but before we get into that, we have some old business to take care of. Right. Uh, we had a short, like Gavin just said, we had a shortened period for you to vote on your favorite Mark Ruffalo movie. But you guys did, and the results are in. <laughs> Quick note. I did, in fact, write down Infinity Polar Bear instead of Infinitely Polar Bear. Yes. Um, that's my bad. So sorry. Um, also, that was my pick, and it came in at 4%. I think that is my vote. You know what, though? I looked earlier today, and it was at 3%, which means it must have gotten two votes. Thank you, look mystery. Look at math. Mystery. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, look at math go. <laughs> Hi, math. Um, and then, surprisingly, we had a pretty tight race for the rest of the picks. Um, the Kids Are Alright came in at 26%. And both uh, You Can Count On Me, which was your pick, and 13 Going On 30 uh, came in at 35%. I like that it tied. I, I did uh, some moderate joking campaigning for You Can Count On Me. So I, I was actually a little surprised when it ended up tying. But I like the fact that our audience is split because you have that sort of tender, deep uh, Mark Ruffalo. And then you have like America's you can Boyfriend. Count on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. No, I, I mean, like, there's the popular um, movie that most people know, and then there's the, like, entrance of Mark Ruffalo, his origin story. Yeah, exactly. And I like that our audience appreciates both. Yeah. Oh uh, God, our audience is verse. Crazy. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, never would have guessed that one. Uh, before we move out of our, our old business, I do want to say that uh, we did get another five-star review on Ooh. iTunes, which, by the way, you can feel free to leave if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Please do it. We love you. Uh, this one is from Brit. It says, love it. Five stars. Great podcast for people who love movies. Gavin and Louie are so fun to listen to, and I always come away with a list of movies to watch. I mean, honestly, girl, same. Yeah. I, even though I've watched so many, I'm like, God, I didn't watch that movie, and I should. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever left a recording being like, oh, well, I've completed this subject. I think we did for Disney, maybe. Maybe, but yeah. The was, Disney Renaissance that was, was, yeah. That one, 100%. Yeah, done. exactly. <laughs> the peak. We both got an A+. Plus, yeah. Uh, on that one. Also... Just to take a moment of non-sponsored, sponsored content. Mm, SponCon. Yeah, SponCon. Non-SponCon. Non-SponCon, because we're not getting paid for this. But I do want to say, if you are searching for a last-minute gift for the film lover in your life, Mm. there's a new amazing card game out called Cinephile. It was created by my friend Corey Everett. Uh, He is a movie lover. We played trivia together. He really worked. He worked on it for a very long time, at least over a year, trying to come up with a way of recapturing that movie trivia for people at home. I think this is the ultimate game for movie lovers and and cinephiles and, and 
film for fiends and oh my god uh yeah it it is a card game uh it comes with beautiful gorgeous illustrated pictures there are six different <laughs> games you can play included in it so you never run out of ideas game and also, one hide the pickle exactly <laughs> that's that's how it starts <laughs> and uh and it's it's really cool so uh i highly recommend you can order it from cinephilegame.com or I'm sure you can find it anywhere it was sold. I don't want to suggest you go to Amazon because Jeff Bezos owns everything, but mm-hmm. it's there. But it's, she's there. Exactly. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. One, There's one deck. It's 150 cards and so many ways to play. Like I said, it's the ultimate game for film fanatics. I feel like I would be very, very bad at the game. <laughs> I don't think so. There, there's, there's, like I said, because of the, the different... Um, the different levels and the different games that you can play. I think there's something for everyone. You know, even if you, even if grandma's there, mm. you're just like... Even if grandma did not get run over by a reindeer. No. And she was there. She was there. Um, would you guys play all your trivia at Videology? Yeah. Oh, God. Make sure you rest in peace. R.I.P. I saw, I think, two movies there. I saw Spice World. And then I saw... Uh, Romy Michelle's High School Reunion. Oh, wow. Good, yeah. good yeah. things to see. Yeah. I think they were both like date nights. And I both am not seeing those guys anymore, so... <laughs> but anyway, I feel like uh, I want it to, like, get, like, really soft and then just, like, a little sprinkling of, like, reindeer sleigh bells, ching, 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 you know? <laughs> or, like, the beginnings of Sleigh Ride. Oh, what a dream. Oh, and also just reminding me of another movie I watched that I have to talk about. Sorry, I'm so excited now. <laughs> so, Louis, what is the topic of today's episode? Since... I'm getting so, like... Yeah. I'm in my cable knit sweater. I'm you are. Cozy. You look like you're ready to get those knives out. They're here and they're out. <laughs> um, today, we're talking about uh, Christmas movie musicals. Ding, 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 ding. I do, I, I do, I do want to make one addendum, uh, just because there are at least two that are not Christmas holiday movie musicals, maybe. I mean, we'll see. Um, I also wish we were, like, surrounded by poinsettias. <laughs> and we're like, who, who's to say we're not? They can't see us. True. Guys, we're surrounded by poinsettias. <laughs> Christmas movie musicals, um, which I think it's fun. I, it's funny, like, when we were trying to do some research for this episode, anytime you try and Google, like, movie musicals for Christmas... Things like Chicago and like Dreamgirls and any just any musical really t- turns up, and I think that has to do with like American culture. Yes, where it's just like musicals are just for the holidays. You go to the theater with the family, um, songs that are merry and gay. You put on your nice clothes. Like it is the quote unquote traditional heartland America thing to do in the holiday season. What we're wanting to talk about specifically. Um, and when we had, like, discussed what we were going to watch, we basically had one rule. Yes. Does the musical have one Christmas song in it? At least one. At least one. And I think we found at least a, a few, a handful, uh, that, that fit the bill <laughs> that, you know, may or may not skirt the line around holiday specifics. But, um, yeah, I mean, I... It's funny, every holiday season, I find myself at work just, like, plugged into my um, carols, you know, my my holiday classiques, just to, like, feel in festive. Um, and so it's fun watching these movies. Uh, a lot of them I hadn't seen before. Oh, wow. Um, a lot of them I had. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like these are the movies, I mean, a lot of these movies, especially like the family-friendly ones, that, like, when you were in, like, second grade and your teacher didn't want to, like have a lesson 100 percent. it's like how many times can we watch muppet movies how yeah. many times can we watch you know the stop motion uh santa claus is coming to town those are the movies that 
as a kid, you watch and you like, oh my god, that's so crazy. I now know the story of Santa Claus. <laughs> exactly. I'm learning the, um, culture. Oh my god, the origin story of Frosty the Snowman yeah. is so interesting. Yeah, like, oh my god, I, I know the song about Rudolph. <laughs> I did not know the accompanying movie. And that's just smart marketing, America. Yeah, really <laughs> and I don't know anything more American than that. In a terrible capitalistic society, correct. <laughs> but we love. We love. <laughs> They're so cute. Live, laugh, love, bye. B-U-I. B-U-I. <laughs> yeah. I want to be that B-U-I. That's a Gaga reference. Oh, it is. Is it? It is. I'll, just, uh, I'll get my claws out. <laughs> please. Um, mine are always out. <laughs> They're not even your claws, they your paws. I don't know things. Oh, God. I do not know things. So, Gavin, what, what were you thinking of when you were, like, watching these or getting into the into the groove of it all? As Louis likes to remind everybody during the Halloween season, he is not a spooky bitch. Uh-huh. I, myself, am not a merry gentleman. Right. Yes. So, Christmas is not my forte. But I do think there is, as you were saying, something very specifically American about the holiday musical. Christmas has become such a... I mean, it is a Christian thing. It still is. But it has become such a seemingly non-denominational thing. Yeah. It's, 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 it is like an American holiday yeah. where it just sort of spreads. And the thing that people know about it is like love and cheer and, and being close to their family. And I, and I think those things like that, that warmness, that like cuddliness is the thing that like I kept coming across, even in some of these films, you know, that, that are not necessarily what you would consider a holiday movie that have these sweet sort of Christmassy moments. It, it's an easy well to to dig into for that sort of emotion. Right. And I think maybe it's even a good stand-in for, like, uh, even some of these movies that I th- didn't think too much of, when they got to, like, the song, yes. I'm like, fuck me up. Like, the songs <laughs> are so good, and they are just pure nostalgia fuel in the most um, sweet, saccharine, but, like, comforting yeah. way. But and and it's easy for anyone, especially as you're growing older, to man like really wish that like life would slow down and you can just like breathe and be with your family with yeah. no you know drama or whatever. Um, there are a lot of moments in a lot of these movies that had that. I thought um, it, even with everything else surrounding it, I'm like man, if if all we got from this movie is that one classic Christmas song, like then good on it because yeah a lot of those songs have lasted longer in the cultural discourse, um, even though maybe some of the movies have been forgotten. I don't think a lot of people would know. I mean, I didn't know a lot of uh, the songs. Like, what are the songs that we that we get from movies? White Christmas. Well, White Christmas, yeah. Yeah, which comes from Holiday Inn and then gets its own movie. We Need a Little Christmas, um, which is one of my faves. Um, the movie. Eh. Yeah. Um, not, not as great. Not as great as the song. Um, but there's a lot of these, I mean, even like coming into modern stuff, like with uh, How the the Grinch Stole Christmas, um, Where Are You Christmas is so good. And even I think the movie is pretty good, um, but... (laughs) I I shot at you a look. Gavin Gavin just shaded me so hard. Okay, (laughs) Kristen, Christine Baranski in the movie? Yes. Unflappable. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um... Christine Baranski is always neutral territory that everybody can agree on. Yeah, yeah. There are no mixed reviews when it comes to her, okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but when Cindy Lou Who looks out the window and she starts singing Faith Hill's song, oh! 
that is the moment. Start singing Faith Hill's song. Yeah. Correct. I mean, but it's just funny that, yeah. Where are you, Christmas? Why can't I find you? Why have you gone away? Hopefully we are able to take you guys on a journey through some nostalgia and remembering some movies. We also are going to hit a lot of um, TV movies because a lot of uh, Christmas or holiday movie musicals um, exist in that realm. Yeah, exactly. The sort of, and I think part of that is, as we were saying, it feeling like an American sort of thing is is that it's a tradition that you can rally your family around. You know, you get them in front of the TV and you're sharing this experience with them. Yeah, and it's funny. I wonder. I mean, well, how about we just get into the rewind? Absolutely. And yeah. It's hard to, like, wrap around history of this, but I was just thinking, I wonder if a lot of these TV movies um, that came out in the 70s, I wonder if, I mean, nowadays, it feels like more and more people will go to the theater, like, on Christmas Day. Um, That probably was not the case in the 70s and before. You know, it, it was not... I'm sure, like, you know, the, the AMCs were not open, you know? So ABC and NBC and all them were looking to um, have something to be broadcasting and and have people watch, watching, uh, sitting in front of the TV and watching. And um, that's probably where all of these, you know, great classics come from, right? Absolutely. Um, anyway, that was a, a sidebar. But uh, it's a good sidebar, though. It's a, it's worth a thought. Mm. Thought bubble. Um so Christmas music in general, like we're gonna go straight to like when it starts popping, because yes. b- before like because prior to it start popping, I mean you can go back to like 14th century, yeah, Roman times, hymnals, it's, it, hymnals, you know, no. uh, carols of Christmas, <laughs> and you know. 16th century stuff comes around like the 12 days of Christmas and God rest you merry gentlemen and Oh Christmas tree or Oh Tannenbaum, if mm-hmm. you will. And you know, these are all like very, what you think of as Christmas carols, but they're not the pop tunes that no. really capture the American imagination. Right. And they're not, you know, fueling, um, uh, movie musicals and like big dance numbers yeah. and, and stuff like that. And so that really is, post World War II and also a lot during the Great Depression because people are looking for like that escape people want the, uh, you know this whole idea of like a sacrifice and for the family um, and that really shines through in a lot of I think these older movies a lot of it is like oh no we're poor all of a sudden and what are we going to do and it's Christmas and how are we going to support the family that does seem to be a very common theme in a lot of these oh yeah like yeah. aggressively so <laughs> We've got like Santa Claus is coming to town, which you do find they becomes a movie. Yeah, like this is a song that becomes a movie in 1970. Is it RKO that does these? No, it's Rankin and Bass. Rankin and Bass. Yeah, and th- those are like the stop motion little dudes that, um, if for more modern audiences, you would recognize from like Elf. Yes. Um, but like all those were, isn't the little like well, there's one with the elf who wants to be a dentist. Oh, that's part of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. Hermie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, another song that um, they took and made it into this musical and basically, like, smeagled its way into, like, the American conscious of, like, and this is the story of... Right. 
you know, Rudolph of Edinburgh's Reindeer, uh, which is kind of wild because everyone knows Rudolph. Right. No one has a, like, copyright on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Right. And yet they were able to, like, get into the public sphere and be like, this is the one. Yes, exactly. Everyone, buy this one. In, in a way, it's very similar to uh, the problem that a lot of, uh, you know, these public domain fairy tales had mm-hmm. when Disney started adapting them. Yeah. Because when you think of Sleeping Beauty or Snow White or Cinderella, what's the first thing that pops into your brain? The Disney ones. The Disney ones. Yeah. And it's very similar to that, that it's like, get our little claws on on something in the public domain and make it very much ours. Yeah. I will say, though, I mean, those uh, Rankin and Bass? Rankin and Bass. The Rankin and Bass, like, uh, designs are so iconic now. Yeah. And they're so good. They're so fun. And they capture the spirit of, like... Even even then, it felt nostalgic. Like, somehow, there's, like, nostalgia for... I don't know, fuck what. But just, like... <laughs> I don't know, nostalgia for, like, the North Pole. <laughs> and I feel like Yukon Cornelius is probably the hero of many bears out there. Hello? Just saying. Just saying. Also, we get a lot of, like, ballad-type songs right. of the era. So you have Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas uh, and White Christmas. Um, and these are songs that also... Uh, become inspiration and fuel for uh, movies. These songs, these songs specifically, these post-World War II songs, the sort of nostalgic, the sort of looking back, the sort of, you know, we've gone through this horrible time period and we've still come through and, you know, things will persevere. Uh, Some of them come from, and I just find this so funny, Irving Berlin. Right, right, right. White Christmas is written by Irving Berlin. He is born Israel Isidore Berlin. Um, He is very Jewish. Very. And he makes a ton of money off of Christmas. Yeah. It was Christmas time. Ellen and the children were back east, and Irving, stuck in Los Angeles, was lonely and homesick. In one all-night session, he tapped into those feelings and wrote a song that when it was released in the 1942 film Holiday Inn, instantly became the biggest hit of his long, remarkable career. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know We're going to mention Irving Berlin a bit later, but I just want you to think about how I don't know, this this very secular holiday, which has sort of become this non-secular realm of just spending money on people and, and gathering around and gathering around family, you know, has these very clear portions of itself that were created by people. It's very similar to what you're saying about Rankin and Bass. Like, these constructs are, are come to life from all sorts of different walks of life of people and form what we think of as, you know, the holiday season. And I just think it's so interesting that it it takes this collective and sometimes non-Christians to create the modern myth of Christmas for us. Yeah, for sure. Um, And so White Christmas was... Like, debuted in Holiday Inn. Yes. Which uh, comes out in 1942. Holiday Inn, this was your first time seeing it. Yes. We just we discussed it a little bit. Uh, my first time seeing Holiday Inn, uh, I did not know about the racist musical number that occurs. Mm-hmm. Holiday Inn is a movie set at a hotel. It goes through several holidays. 
It's only open on the holidays. Yes, exactly. The, the whole gag is this guy moves to a farm because life is hard being a performer, and he wants to only have a, a hotel where he can perform only on the holidays. It'll only be open on the holidays. And so, many of the musical numbers are set around holidays. There is a musical number set around President's Day, which is about Abraham Lincoln, and it is done entirely in blackface. Uh-huh. Um, even worse, there's a character named Mammy in it, yes. and she gets to sing her own verse of this song in the kitchen. Yeah, and yeah. the lyrics are something about like, oh, Abraham, thank you, Abraham, for helping us, Abraham. Yes. Um, <sighs> it's really bad. Now, the first time I saw this movie, um, it didn't have this musical number in it. Oh. Because in the 80s... When it aired on television, they, they had the sense to remove it. Right. However, Turner Classic Movies refuses to show their films edited. So the second time I saw this film, I got to it and I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, I was like, oh no. <laughs> uh, and I think that's interesting. And and I actually respect Turner Classic Movies for showing it un- unedited because, I don't know, I think if you can have a conversation about it, if you're not just talking, if you're not just watching it and absorbing it face value, if you're able to talk and have this conversation about the racism that's inherent in the film and the, and the sort of racist past and racist present that it provokes and evokes, then I think that's more interesting. However, I'm kind of happy. I didn't see it as a kid, but it did taint the way I saw that film yeah. because I was like, wow, I really liked this fun musical movie. Yeah. And then it was, Whoops. What? Yeah. That is uh, another number written by Irving Berlin. Um, Holiday Inn, uh, there are a lot of fun numbers and yes. clearly full of very talented people. Um, you know, like Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire are the stars of the movie. Um, and there's a funny moment when he's like supposed to be like dancing drunk or whatever and people like are laughing. And um, the, there's a number for like the 4th of July where fireworks are going off while he's like tap dancing and stuff and that's very fun so i'd never seen this movie and then two i'd never seen i had never seen blackface before oh really and i didn't know not in like a serious way no yeah, no yeah, i had yeah. never consumed like entertainment yeah, yeah. and been like oh that's blackface you should see bamboozled by the way the spike lee film this is a sidetrack okay um and it's it, it was it was jarring not because i mean I, okay i take that back i guess i have seen blackface and, like, I saw Dear White People, and I saw yes. them, like, yeah. in blackface for the, the party, whatever, for the hip-hop party. But I this was earnest right. entertainment, um, and they, like, and it's part of the plot, you know? And the thing that's shocking about it is it's, an, it's over an era too late. Yeah. It really shouldn't have happened. It never should have been greenlit. They should have been told, this is in poor taste. You shouldn't do this. Yeah. But it still happened. Yeah. Um, the, the song, like the song for better or worse of the musical, the song white Christmas, um, it's, it's kind of a magical moment because he's basically like teaching it to America. Yes. He's at the piano singing it. And you know, the, the woman, uh, star, she comes in and he's, she's like, Oh, what is this? And I want to learn. And so he's teaching it to her. And I was like, he's teaching it to all of us. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just, just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten Where the treetops glisten And children listen And children listen to 
And it's just kind of crazy. Like, White Christmas has become a standard, you know, like the American standard music uh, musical moment. Um, and it, and it, and it, I think it like it works. What's funny is, you know, uh, more than a decade later, uh, twelve years later, Irving Berlin essentially pitches making a musical version of that song and it uh essentially becomes a, a jukebox musical for irving berlin's music you get the great sisters number you get choreography uh which is another great number in it you get white christmas sung a couple different times and what's magical about that is bing crosby after holiday inn would go and entertain the troops and sing white christmas and have these very emotional moments mm. with the troops it's especially a song that speaks to the GIs in World War II. Many of them are in the South Pacific, and they hear a song about White Christmas, and it brings back home, and it's a tremendously moving number for them. And the beginning of the movie White Christmas tries to recapture that. And it's a, it's a valiant effort. Um, however, there are definitely some downsides. You know, it's 12 years later, uh, not everybody's learned their lesson. There's a mu- there's a musical number, not in blackface, but about minstrel shows in it. And they use the Abraham Lincoln musical number as as uh, music underneath. It's it's interesting to see where, you know, all these ideas continue to go wrong. I would highly recommend there's a great article written this year, December 7th. Uh, by Jessica Mason on the Mary Sue about coming to terms with the racism in White Christmas and the blackface and Holiday Inn. And I love the way she concludes this article. Once again, highly recommend reading the entire article. But she concludes this article by saying, the same goes for Irving Berlin himself, who is part of a larger American cultural tradition that was suffused with racism. And he did his part both to perpetuate and subvert it. White Christmas, the song, is the most popular song of all time, and it was written by a Jewish man during the summer in California. Every movie and song and piece of art has a story. It's not always merry and bright, but it always matters. Yeah. And I think watching these films, I I was definitely in a 2019 context because I had not seen White Christmas in years. I The blackface number in Holiday Inn had stuck with me. The minstrel show number and and uh, White Christmas, I must have blocked out. Yeah, because I know I've definitely seen it before, and it shocked me to see both of these. I will say, I think White Christmas is mostly a good movie and has some great moments. Uh, Bing Crosby's really good in it. Uh, Rosemary Clooney's really great in it. Danny Kaye is amazing in it, but it does have some issues, and it's worth thinking about them yeah. when watching these yeah. cultural for sure. moments. For sure. And especially because like these are, I mean, do you think in Holiday Inn they were trying to be subversive? No. And no. I think that's part of the problem. <laughs> it's like, I think it, like you said, I think it's done in earnest. Well, they, they, they because they really want to pat themselves on, a, right. on their own backs because it's not, it's not blackface for sake of blackface. Right. It's blackface for the sake of being like, isn't it so great that Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves? Yes. So we are celebrating, you know, black people. And and I can I can almost, like, you can almost, like, sense, like, the creators of this movie being like, ah, here, we can do this. Right. And people, and we this, is, this will be the safe place for us to do this blackface that clearly is, you know, has gone out of vogue 
10 years prior. It's, it's in fact, the same sort of... You get the same sort of feeling during the minstrel show number in White Christmas, where the song is sort of opining the loss of the minstrel show, and you get the idea that the the person singing it or the the person behind the song is saying like what fun we had what a great time mm. having these fond memories of this thing without contextualizing the negative aspect of these acts in yeah. these shows yeah i think what's most jarring is like putting mamie yes like making her I, sing along with I, them that was the most awful part i was going to say i would say if if there's one like if there's one to really go after it's holiday in uh not to absolve white christmas of any of the stuff that happens in it but you can tell that there was definitely some thought behind they probably shouldn't have put the number in the show but they there was some thought behind like not doing it in blackface and Um, i'm not exactly patting them on the back i don't want anybody to think i'm absolving them but like oh boy that holiday in number that number is hard to get through um, Bet you didn't think you'd get a conversation about blackface in our <laughs> holiday musical episode. Um, in 1944, Meet Me in St. Louis um, premieres, and you get Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which is a full banger. If you have not heard Kelly Clarkson sing this song, you are not living. True, but I will say Judy Garland's version of it is, oh. I think, my favorite. And it's that scene... We talked about Mimi in St. Louis. Saint, Mimi in St. Louis is, you know, once again, maybe not fully a Christmas musical, but but that number has such resonance. Yeah. And, and that scene to me is so powerful. She's trying to convince her younger sister, who is a full-on freak. Psychopath. <laughs> Another movie I had not seen before. Yes. And I was like, there are a lot of points in this movie where I was like, what is Going on with this little bit tootie, if you will. That little bitch is ready to kill people. She she's like, you ready to die? Yeah, exactly. That psycho, fully breaking lamps, going. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fully like. And then we like made the trolley go off the track. It was hilarious. I was like, what, ma'am? That movie is a little sweet, but psycho. Yeah, yeah. But that but that number where she's trying to console her younger sister. And I don't know that it's so. It's very beautiful. Yeah, it's the way it's the way she delivers it as well. Yeah. No one delivers things like Judy Garland. No. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. She fucking nails it. Um, the movie, like I said, is a little sweet but psycho. Um, but the Christmas part is very um, tender. Yeah. And that song is dark. It's yeah. not... It, and they've since changed the lyrics over the years. Yeah, the, the lyrics that... I we, believe it was... I want to say it was Frank Sinatra yeah. who requested the change, but... Well, even... So, apparently, Judy Garland said that the lyrics originally were too dour... And she asked them to change them to what they were. And then when it got to Frank Sinatra do a version, you know, yeah. later, he was like, this shit's too sad. And so the the popular version that most people will sing today is the Frank Sinatra version. Yeah. But I guess for him, like, 
I mean, in that specific, like, he was singing for, like, a record. Right, exactly. He's like, I'm going to entertain him in Vegas. I don't know why he talks like that in my head, but he does. But he does. Um, But, like, for the movie, like, it truly is, like, and which I don't fucking buy. They're like, we're going to be poor in New York. I'm like, bitch, we're all poor in New York. I know. (laughs) And that's the gag also. They're like, ugh, moving to New York. No, why? It's awful there. And they're, like, in St. Louis being like, we have everything here. Yeah. It is, um, I don't love it, so I'm not, I'm not even going to pretend to love it. Okay. Um, my dad loved it, but he also played the grandfather in high school when they did okay. it for the, okay. uh, but I, <laughs> I do think it's a weird fake nostalgia for, like, a time and place that didn't really exist. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's like a very mythical St. Louis that... But the music... Yeah, bangs. Like, I mean, trolley song alone is that's wor- you know worth the entry fee. Um, before we move off of Judy Garland, did you get a chance to watch in the good old summertime? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, and that falls into the Christmas category sheerly by the fact that it may be called in the good old summertime, but ninety percent of that movie takes place in at Christmas. Yeah, and uh, is that the movie where Liza Minnelli makes her debut on screen? Does she? I think she does. Oh really? At the very end. <gasps> yes the, she's the, the daughter yes the child I, the child <laughs> what child is this yeah. Liza Liza um, <laughs> Liza let's open it out of cats we, we gotta, gotta go, go. <laughs> <laughs> sorry thanks for sticking with us everybody um, In the Good Old Summertime is uh, one of the musical adaptations of The Shop Around the Corner the other famous one is She Loves Me which was recently revived on Broadway um, in this one Judy Garland Van Johnson who's a member of the Tribe Guys hello hey. you know it's a love story between them and it's funny because most people recognize the plot as You've Got Mail mm-hmm. and they they basically start corresponding with each other and they don't realize each other is who they are and they hate each other in real life but they love each other through these letters um, and it's funny because the whole uh the whole concept is you fall in love with the person's soul, not the way they look. But I love the fact that, spoiler alert, at the end, as Van Johnson's, like, revealing himself to be, he's, like, making up all this shit about the... Because he finds out that who she is before she finds out who he is. Yeah. He's making up all this shit about the guy she's been corresponding with about... How fat he is and yeah, he's bald. Exactly. And- <laughs> exactly. And it's just like... And her face is like, ah! <laughs> um, but there are... There's a couple uh, Christmas songs in it. One main one. But I'll be honest, the real banger in that movie is... I don't care. I don't care is <laughs> the real banger yes, of that movie. Absolutely. I don't care. I don't care. What they may think of me. I'm happy, go lucky, they say that I'm plucky, contented, and carefree. I don't care, I don't care, if I do get a mean and stony stare. If I'm not successful, it won't be distressful, cause I don't care. So not a Christmas song, but you know what? I don't care. I don't care. And not the acting choices in that? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, the, I, I I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, it's like a fun it's, plot. Yeah, it's uh, and I, she's so good in it and so beautiful. One of my favorite things about that movie is um, music shops are just like full of people who play songs for you. Yes. Can you play this for me? And then you get Judy Garland just being like, well, of course. Yeah, and I love that she's like, oh, oh, I can't sing. Yeah, yeah. Don't make me sing. And then she fucking slays it. Um, 
I, I didn't watch this movie, but um, Silver Bells comes from the Lemon Drop Kid. And then you get Babes in Toyland um, featured in... Babes in Toyland featured the song... To- oh, Toyland. Did you watch any of the Babes in Toyland like versions? I can't watch them. We, we did this before when we talked about Santas. And I just... I... There's like a crazy oh and Keanu we talked about Keanu so he's in he's in a version he's in the 1980s yeah. version with Drew Barrymore with Drew Barrymore but I just which those... you can find fully on YouTube <laughs> yeah. FBI don't come for me uh, those movies are, look like a a like waking nightmare to me and I just can't bring myself to do it the original um, Disney version Annette Funicello and Tommy Sams she plays Mary Contrary and he plays um, Tom Piper and. Uh, there's this, like, antics and plot. Um, it's, it's kind of very funny. I think you might actually like it. Okay. Because there's a moment, like, there's, like, an evil wizard dude who wants to marry her, Mary. Uh, always with the evil wizards. I know. And he, like, basically hires two henchmen to kill, um, Pied Piper because he wants to marry Mary. That's annoying. Um, they end up selling, um, him instead to, trigger warning, gypsies, um, and we call them Romas now, Louie. I know that's not, you know, the, that's I will the, say that's I, the movie. I feel, <laughs> I feel very bad saying that you should watch it and it's kind of funny, but like, also there is a really hard scene to watch where it literally is. And now here come the gypsies and they do this big mo like dancing number where it's like, we are Romanis and we sing and dance and like, we won't put a curse on you, which is hard to watch. Wow. Uh, but there's a lot of, like, funny sight gags. Oh, Mother Goose is literally the entire time of the movie has her, um, it's Mother Goose, and she's always holding a, um, a talking goose. He's talking, and the actress is, like, fully puppeting him while she's acting, and they've, like, dubbed his lines over. It's very funny. Um, it's a spooky, very sweet but psycho, uh, but also very classic. They end up going to, like, Toyland, they meet like a toy maker who's an idiot, uh, and so there's most of them are. Most of them are, yeah. Uh, Speaking of wizards, I I don't want to leave it out. We did talk about this in our Santa Claus on film episode, 1959's Santa Claus from Mexico, a oh, film, yes, 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 yes a film in yes. which Merlin helps give yes. Santa Clauses. We won't talk about this for very long. Go back and listen to that episode. But there's a demon named Pitch in it. He's yeah. trying to stop Santa. And there's several borderline racist musical numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Guys, did you think we were going to talk about so much racist shit <laughs> on this musical episode? Yeah. Surprise! We also get Scrooge. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me. We also get you know, moving later along, we're including Nightmare Before Christmas in this. Yeah. Um, of course. There, There is a very popular debate every year. Mm-hmm. Is Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie or Christmas movie? And to that, I always say... Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, more, more likely, or more often than not, I say, what are you doing in my house? Right. Please get out. <laughs> Please. Uh, or why not both.gif? Why not both.gif? Um, I, I rewatched it. And I didn't need to, but I got yeah. to thinking, like, so the plot of The Night Before Christmas is that he wants to do Christmas instead of Christmas Land, right? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or instead of Halloween, yeah. Does not, Halloween not happen that year, then? Halloween's far enough away. I feel like... Oh, he... Because Christmas is only 
two months after Halloween. Oh, so he takes over. He takes over the very next Christmas. I think so. I think he's got like a very shortened time period. Very shortened. Very small schedule. Production schedule. <laughs> Huh. Guys, gotta get this production on the road. No, but like, there isn't there a scene in the movie where like the clock goes around and they're like, oh, there's only. I mean, I mean, could be wrong. You could be right. No, you might you might be right. But, but and and I was thinking like, oh, and so people are gonna be so upset because the Christmas people can't do Christmas and the Halloween people are doing it. But then I got to thinking, was no one mad that Halloween didn't happen? <laughs> I don't know. Every, everybody was um, like you. They were okay with it. Yeah, I was like, Jerks. <laughs> no one at me for like fucking yeah. punching holes through Night Before Christmas. Yeah, but yeah, it just got me thinking. Just me crying at home, eyeliner running. Um, what did it happen this year? <laughs> all, all the My Chemical Romance kids <laughs> yeah. just so upset. Um, the Black Parade canceled. <laughs> Um, what's this is a full bop. What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? The Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes. How could we forget? Well, it's funny that you, because you brought up Scrooge, and when doing Christmas movies, people have a tendency to mine the same sources over and over and over again. I have no idea how many versions of A Christmas Carol there are. A lot. There's a lot. There's at least, you know, 10 musical versions. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are films, but you have Scrooge, not Scrooged, mm-hmm. which is not a musical. That'd be interesting. <laughs> um, you have Muppet Christmas Carol. You have a Divas Christmas Carol. Thank the Lord. Uh, and it's interesting to watch all these different versions. And I think Muppet Christmas Carol does the story... Real justice, I'll be perfectly honest. It's also just, I forgot. I mean, we watched it and I was like, man, this is fucking funny. Yeah. the Having Gonzo being the narrator with um, Ratso is... Or Rizzo. Rizzo, yeah. right. Is so good. Yes. Rizzo is just like taking the piss out of everything. And he's such a good foil to Gonzo, who's trying to be very like, you know, yeah. upper. And he's like, he's trying to be, I'm Charles Dickens. I'm Charles Dickens. And Rizzo's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? The reason they picked Gonzo to be the Muppet that would be Charles Dickens is because they sat down and thought to themselves, who is the least like Charles Dickens of all the Muppets? Perfect. Yeah. It's so good. My favorite is like in the end when like it's getting scary, they're like, uh, we're going to leave you guys alone for this. Um, bye. <laughs> My favorite line in the entire film is, Whoa, that's scary stuff. Hey, should we be worried about the kids in the audience? No, it's all right. This is culture. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's like so good. <laughs> and I mean, they use, I mean, that's a great example. They use the Muppets to such good effect. Yeah. Um, and I love, I love, I mean, my, the best thing about Muppets in general is that they just exist in this human world. Yes. And no one believes. There's no questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like when they flash back to uh, Christmas past and you see a uh, young Scrooge and like the professor comes in and it's like that. Sam the Eagle. Yeah. yeah. I was like. Perfect casting. He's like, he's like, make money. It's the American way. And yeah. Gonzo has to be like, Shh. yeah, it's, it's the British, British way. way. <laughs> All the like gags of them falling everywhere. Yeah. So good. Very good. I mean, high quality movie making. Is it time to talk about Best Little Whorehouse in Texas? I think it's time to talk about Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I don't know how many Christmas musicals were made in the 80s, right. but maybe one of the best yeah. movie musicals made in the 80s yeah, for sure. in general is Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. It absolutely is. I um, When I was a kid, my mom had a CD of, it seemed like a mix of random songs, but we would play it every Christmas. And Hard Candy Christmas was on it. Oh, Dolly. And I remember just being like, 
this is my shit. Like, as a young child, and I... I, 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 I didn't understand what a hard candy Christmas meant. Yeah. But the music is so good and evocative. You feel the yearning. You feel the loss. You feel the sense that, like, this is going to be a tough winter, a tough uh, emotional time, and you're barely getting through. Right. Tomorrow. And it, and it's a song about leaving things behind, changing. You know, yeah. I do think the end of the year, which Wait Christmas here. comes right before... I think that is an enormous time of change for most people. Yeah. You know, people come up with New Year's resolutions. They basically try and come up with ways to improve their lives. And also, it seems like hardships really occur during the holiday season. The changes, you know, whether it be losses of jobs or, or you know, losses of family or are not being with the people you love during the time. I think Hard Candy Christmas, which comes from this musical, I genuinely... When I'm watching the film, because I hadn't seen it since I was a little kid, uh, I had a father that was very cool with showing me whatever. Um, I thought it was an Dolly Parton song, and it's not. It's actually from this musical. It's but, from this musical. Yeah. Me, I'll be just fine and dandy. Lord, it's like a hard candy Christmas. I'm barely getting through tomorrow, but still I. also just like about perseverance about like getting through about you know like things are sad and tough but there is a new chapter right coming up ahead and the movie like got very bad reviews it did and Uh, i have no idea why because it's a hoot it is a hoot um and it, it i mean it's like sex positive as fuck it is it's insane to me that this movie that came out, what is it, 82 or 84? It's somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah. Sorry. I, I'll get my phone out later and check it. Whatever. Um, but it, this film that comes out in the early 80s is so much like, hey, sex work is a, is a real job. It's not a negative thing. No one is, you know, the there's an entire musical number called... Uh, Which one? Nothing, is it Nothing Dirty? There ain't Nothing Dirty going out. It's yeah. called Itty Bitty Little Pissant. Pissant place. Yeah, itty bitty little pissant place. But the chorus is there's nothing dirty going on. And that's and that's sort of the concept is like it's it's a place where these women are treated very well. There's specific rules and yeah. and there's no negative context to it until this ultra-right conservative crusading hypocrite. Tele- yeah, hypocrite televangelist character, precursor to Fox News type character comes along and causes all this trouble for them. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I often think about this. There's so many films in the 80s that tried to warn us about the rise of right-wing television. We did not and, listen. Yeah, exactly. And that sort of right-wing commentary. And we didn't. We didn't listen. And it was right there. I know. Dolly and Bert were telling us. <laughs> they were. We gave you all the clues, Mr. Snowman. <laughs> Mr. Policeman? Mr. Whatever. Policeman. Uh, yeah, it's sex positive as fuck. Uh, Dolly looks great. The songs are excellent. The music Burt, numbers. Burt Reynolds is hot in his little underwear. Super sexy. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, have you ever heard of homo eroticism? Because that musical number. Yeah. Is like six, what, was it like 26 miles to heaven? They want to go to the chicken ranch to dance. To dance. And fuck. 
and they're and they're all in the showers and the I know and that is that that is the truth about the Texas A and M football team. I know it. <laughs> you can tell me all the lies you want, but I know the truth. The and I have to say, uh, the person who's work, doing the best and living up to the like everything is perfection in that film. But Charles Durning as the governor, mm-hmm. he was nominated for an Academy Award Hello? for Best Supporting Actor in the 1985 Oscars. He lost to Officer and Gentleman. So that's, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. But like a true supporting performance. Truly. He has one musical number. One musical number. He's in the movie for maybe 11 minutes. He steals every fucking scene. He, every time the camera's on him, he makes the most of it. And he plays like the most little like rascally guy. I love to do a little side step. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. He was doing Melissa McCarthy before she was doing it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Oh, man. Um, what a wonderful film. What Hard Candy... Hard, the reason we're here, the reason for the season is Hard Candy hard Christmas. Hard Candy Christmas. Which comes from Best Little Horror House in Texas. Yes. It's, as we were doing our research, we were like, what are what are some non-conventional holiday Christmas musicals and uh, that we came across that? We are both like, done. Done and done. Yeah. You must watch. If, you ha- if you're looking for something to watch this Christmas and don't want to go out, there she is. When are we talking about Mrs. Santa Claus? Can we talk about Mrs. Santa Claus? Please, uh, please don't hate me. No, okay. please. So that movie came out when I was thirteen, and it's a, it's a, te- like a tel- It was like a television event. It was, you know, on CBS. Uh, it's a musical starring Angela Lansbury, the aforementioned Charles Durning as Santa Claus, mm-hmm. Michael Jeter before he passed away, whom I loved and is really great in The Fisher King. If you have not seen it, highly recommend Who is seeing. he in Miss He's Santa Claus? the elf with the mustache. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, uh, so good. Good character actor. Uh, Terrence Mann, who is and was and always will be just Tim Curry 10 years younger. Yes. As, yeah. the, as the villain. Literally, I was like... <laughs> That's not Tim Curry, but... No, but it might be. It, but, but it might be. <laughs> Bitch, he might be. Yeah. Especially uh, knowing Tim Curry. He's very sneaky. And and I just... You know, it, it's a, it's very much a traditional musical. It could easily be adapted to the stage. And it's... Uh, it Like, I just started in high school... The- I mean, I, I my high school theater was from 7th grade until 12th. So you, you could really be part of it. You could grow up into it. And I would have been 13 at the time. It had just, like, started high school musical theater and whatnot. And this came along, and I was just so enamored with it. And I think Angela Lansbury is so wonderful and delightful in it. And there's lots of fun musical numbers. The Avenue A song, where, you know, Mm -hmm. you you hear Bonjour, Oy Vey, and, Uh uh, you know, all the... The great like tavish toys. The so the the premise is Mrs. Santa Claus is tired of being taken for granted. She's created a new route for Santa Claus that she thinks will get him done delivering toys faster. She accidentally crashes in New York City. One of the reindeer breaks its legs, so she has to stay in early early twentieth century yeah, New York like, City. It's like nineteen oh six. Yeah, like exactly. Like women are trying to get the suffrage vote. Children, and, like literally, yeah. everyone. Is an immigrant. Everyone's an immigrant. There's like accents, yeah, plenty. She, she doesn't understand why the people that she's renting the room from don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. Spoiler alert: they're Jewish. They're Jewish. Um, the uh, you know the Jewish lady's like, don't tell anyone, but I enjoy Christmas more than I should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, you know everybody's you know they're against child labor. They're unionizing. It's all. It's like all these things coming together and it's so interesting i think to to like put these social issues into this film about christmas yeah 
It's funny, uh, the, the movie is feminist as fuck. Yeah. I mean, the, the basic plot of this is Mrs. Santa Claus wants to do more. They let you know at the beginning that she basically does all the management of yeah. everything on the North Pole. And, but Santa is the one that gets to, like, write the list and deliver the toys. And she's even like, well, maybe I can go with you this year. Maybe, like, she's... And she also says, you know, like, I spend every Christmas Eve by myself. And... A lady has needs. Mm-hmm. And so she... I mean, and that's, like, the beginning of everything. She's like, you will, you know, women couldn't do that. And right. She is, like, uh, this extra voice... Um, to, there's like the suffragette character, there's all these kids who are like working in squalor conditions. And, and I like that there's real worry in some of the characters, you know, the, the, the main suffragette character is, she's a rabble rouser. She's always out there with signs. She's always trying to get women to come with her. She's and, literally carrying a soapbox. Yes. And the other women are afraid because they're immigrants. Yeah. They don't want to be kicked out of the country. The woman who's, um like renting the house to her. Yeah. She's very scared of the police. Yeah. Very scared that they're going to kick her out of the country. And turns out he just wants to go on a date with her. If only that was the America we lived in. I know. Uh, I, I, I like the movie a lot. Um, Thank you, because I, once again, and I will say this to shame anybody who's listening, who does not listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter, but I tried to show it to people two years ago and they turned it off. That seems aggressive. Yeah. It's a perfectly, like, it is perfectly made for the holiday season, and it has, like, this very progressive bent to it. I will say, though, I like the last song. Like, musically, the last song is so good, but, like, content-wise, I'm like, they had to, at the very end, be like, I have needs, but he needs me. He's my world, and I am here. I'm like, no! Yeah. Like, you ruined it. <laughs> like, that. You, you, they didn't stick a landing at the end. And luck, I mean, I guess they they had to redeem Santa somehow. Yeah. And so in the end, he But does, you're, you're right. He takes her on, the, you know, to deliver the toys on that one. He's like, oh, I miss Mrs. Claus and blah, blah, blah. Um, but and it's so complicated, though, because like I thought I think the music that that song she sings is very beautiful. It's like this big power ballad. She's just like basically singing to the stars. And it's the star that she knows that he's looking at. He yeah. loves her. La, la, la. That scene's so good. It's so that good. That movie makes me tear up a little bit. I'll be honest. Should I bring up Eight Crazy Nights? Uh, I think we're going to talk about it. Eight, so. crazy, Eight Crazy Nights comes out in 2002. A very, it's a very rare um, Jewish... Yes, I, I, Eight Crazy Nights stands out kind of alone in terms of the mass-produced Hanukkah movies. Uh, yeah. The mass-produced Hanukkah musical movies. Right, yeah. Um, there's. I mean, you know, my boyfriend is Jewish. He's explained to me that Hanukkah is not a big holiday. Yeah. That it's sort of the American perception. Right. 
to to kind of coexist with Christmas or casually compete with Christmas. It's the Jewish Earth Day, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, so, I mean, maybe there doesn't need to be more Hanukkah movies, but if there were, it'd be nice if they were better than this. Right. Um, did we talk about Mame enough? Probably, right? Probably. Yeah. Uh, Lucille Ball, she's doing her thing. It's not as, Mame is not as good as Anti-Mame, the movie that precedes it. Mame is not as good as Bosom Buddies, (laughs) the one scene in Mame. (laughs) Correct. Like I mentioned before, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. They also did another Grinch movie for children. Yes, last year. I unfortunately went with my then at the time seven-year-old nephew and nine-year-old niece and hated every moment of it. When I was home for Thanksgiving, I brought it up. I, there was a commercial for it. And I was like, oh, that's that Grinch movie. That was terrible. And my eight-year-old nephew was like, it wasn't bad. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I mean, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, Polar Express. Polar Express. Which we watched, I think, for Santa. I think yes. we watched. I'm it, still having nightmares. It is a, it is horror. Yeah. It is an American horror story. Yeah, exactly. Unca- Uncanny Valley, the movie. Yeah. Um, I forgot that there was music involved in it because the music in it is so very... Um, it's unmemorable. Unmemorable and, like, sparse. The best time of the year when everyone comes home. With all this Christmas cheer, it's hard to be alone. Putting up the Christmas tree with friends who come around. It's so much fun when Christmas comes to town. There is also a Black Nativity. Yes. Which also stands out. This retelling of the story of Christ um, through this African-American lens, um, all I can say is that Forrest Whitaker needs to fucking pick an accent. Yeah. Um, it was nice to hear Angela Bassett sing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I feel bad being too hard on Black Nativity because I do think that for, like, 70% of its heart is in completely the right place. You know, it's, uh, it's, ca- it's very loosely based off of the Langston Hughes play, which is essentially just a retelling of the nativity story with black actors. Um, Alvin Ailey was part of the original cast in the 1960s for the dancing and whatnot. But I think this movie went off the rails. Sort of, It sort of tries to recontextualize all that in a metaphorical way. It like involves the Langston Hughes play right. in itself. The main character's name is Langston. Everybody keeps going, like, like Langston Hughes, the poet? And, he's like, like, yeah. and then he says... You know it. Blech. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the movie feels very in the same vein. Or I mean, it's it's very African-American. Um, it has a lot of, like, big entertaining numbers. Um, Nas is in it. Mary J. Blige is in it. Cassie Lemons. Yeah. Who just did Harriet. Yeah, who just did Harriet. If you're going to cast Mary J. Blige in a movie, please use her more. Gotta use her more. Gotta uh, use her more. Especially if you're going to put her in that wig. Hello? Yeah. Give her more lines. Um, it, and and I, I texted you this. I was like, we as a country need to come together and talk about Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. Because an Oscar for Dreamgirls does not an actor make. <laughs> Honey. Yeah. I mean, and I love her in, in Dreamgirls. But, I do too. I do too. But Genuinely. But this is not it. Yeah. And... The, the movie also... She yells at us the entire time. Yes. I wish she... I don't know if it was direction or what. Like, 
I'm like, girl, you cannot just park and bark and yell at me the entire time. And that's time. the thing is there is like movement to some of these songs. There's choreography to some of these songs. Not like full on dancing, but like physical, yeah. like actors moving places. And yeah, it seems like she was directed to just stand and belt. fucking song i'm like yeah do you have any levels yeah like it, what is going on it's uh, uh my other big issue with it and i find that this has more to do with films that are of a religious nature sorry guys but it seems to like very much put a lot of the blame on her she's this single mother who loses her job and she wants a better life for a kid, but it kind of feels like very much how you felt about the end of Mrs. Santa Claus, where it's like, if only she'd had the, a man in her life. Yeah. It would have. She even says it in her very first song. She's like, I can't teach you the things that a man could. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. no. Especially yeah. Especially when that man's Tyrese. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that movie was the kind of I, shame. I, I, yeah, I wanted so much more. I was yeah. excited going into it. And then I, I was, was like, excited going into it, too, because it was something different. Yeah. yeah and then, yeah. unfortunately. I think it's a lot of these movies. I remember for a while, like, looking for more. Like, because they're, yeah. they're such a a specific genre. And you uh, the fuel that they give me is very comforting. And I think for a lot of people... Whether the movies are good or bad, they get the job done. Yeah. Uh, specifically when it comes to these musicals, because I mean, I, uh, though not, like not Polar Express, um, but a lot. I mean, even th- there, there are songs to find in all these movies, and the nostalgia of it all that really just kind of like warm the heart. There is a reason why we can see fifteen different versions of A Christmas Carol, right? And still, you know really get you know um when done right uh emotional and uh, like in Muppet Christmas Carol like they have new songs and they're they're fun and funny um but still really emotional um yeah and I think that's what it is there's something about music that draws out the emotion in a person more so that you know there's something that can be done in a three minute song uh, that can take you on sort of a journey in a way that I don't know if any other storytelling format can supply that sort of punch in such a small period of time. I think that's what really separates the sort of holiday musicals apart from, you know, your average holiday movie is they, you know, they can tell you this long format story, but if it's something like Meet Me in St. Louis or, you know, even Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, they can capture that specific feeling, that that warmth, that longing, that su- that bittersweetness in just one scene using a song. And I, I think that's really the essence of the holiday musical is yeah. that sort of that f- feeling that you get f- of that time and and that warmth. Yeah, that and, and you're able to carry that on after the movie. You know, Absolutely. these songs are live with us forever. I mean, movies... 
I guess in certain ways do, but like movies have a beginning and end and right. like, you know, you turn it off and it's over. But like songs, there's a thing like we get to sing them together. Yeah. We get to, you know, share them. And I mean, and these songs are kind of like, I can't remember the first time I heard these songs, but no, they, but they've been around, but right. But like, it's, it's almost like when you hear them, even though it's your first time, it's like you already know them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that about these things. Like these we get to take these with us, yeah. which is kind of a fun extension of the movie and the whole um, experience. So, why don't we get some picks? Absolutely. Should we do one-star reviews or five-star reviews? Let's start with our one-star. Might as well. All right, Gavin, hit me with your eight crazy nights. <laughs> That's 100% it. Uh, I, I feel bad giving it to the only Hanukkah-themed holiday musical. Uh, it is so bad... I had never seen it before. It came out in 2002, uh, which is like sweet spot, like senior of high school. Adam Sandler was huge. I, you know, he'd had Big Daddy before this and uh, The Wedding Singer, which is still my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Um, And yeah, I think he kind of felt he could do anything. So he decided to do this animated uh, holiday musical. Very, you know, the name comes from his Hanukkah song. Uh, and he wanted to do it in the sort of like holiday sort of Rankin and Basque-esque special looking sort of like Frosty the Snowman. And um, what he came up with, however, is maybe one of the most horrible experiences I've had watching a movie in a long time. It's funny. So, P.S., this is my pick also. Oh, is it? Is, yeah. yeah. But it's funny. I remember watching this as a kid and being like, this is hilarious. And it's just so telling. Yeah. Like, you know, only a child could think that the humor and the... I mean, I do think... I think the sister is still very funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's the she best is, part. But she, Okay, so just to, just to get into what it is, Adam Sandler's character is basically a stunted man-child. Uh, and I'll give you the reason in a moment, because it's almost worse. Davy Stone... Um, who's this 33-year-old alcoholic. He has a huge criminal record. He basically gets sentenced to community service uh, for this basketball coach um, who is... I don't know how to describe... Like, he's like a Jewish caricature who's extremely hairy, and the joke is that, like, he lives with his sister. And And he has, like, one larger foot than the other. Yeah, and and he has a very annoyingly high-pitched voice. um, And His name's Wheezy, isn't it? It's Whitey. Whitey. So the name, the original name of the movie was going to be Whitey and Davy, and they decided to change it because they thought it might be considered offensive. Oh, good for them. Yeah, that that's the one thing. Thoughtful. Um, and you know he he has to basically like work with this guy and live with this guy, and well, he lives with this guy because his place burns down after he beats them at a basketball game. Yes, um, and. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't even want to, like, he kind of, he kind of learns his lesson, I guess. Like, well, okay. Okay. I, 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 I mean, I, I, I literally just watched this I, movie I feel too. the strain on your face, Gavin. Yeah. The story revolves around Davey and he's a bad guy because right. a bad thing happened to him in his right. past, which, spoiler, his parents died. Yeah. Um, and he. On the, on the way to a, one of his basketball games. Right. And ever since then, he's been like a really bad attitude character. Yeah. Um, 
a majority of the plot surrounds Whitey and his wanting to win like a patch. Yes. Which is like citizen of the year. And the whole thing is like he's so poor he will do anything. He will clean out uh, toilets and you know all these odd jobs and people make fun of him and call him a loser and whatever. Yeah. Um, most of the people losers this, like the nicest thing. Yeah. Call like them, by the, the, way. the town is like full of assholes yes. essentially. Like that is yeah are awful and also like mutants because literally there's a woman that has three breasts. And, yeah. Like, it's a full joke. Um, there's also like. A marauding band of deer who laugh and eat shit, literally. And are, like, magical, kind of. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, and, like, he has... I mean, and the whole thing is, you know, Adam Sandler's character learning a lesson, and there's a kid involved, and, like, a woman that he used to like as a child. Yeah. um, It's... Here's the thing, too. So, it's exactly the thing that you talked about when we talked about Jack and Jill in the drag episode. Which is that you're presented with an awful human being, and then the twist comes, and it's you're expected to feel bad that you've been judging this person because you don't know their full story. But the problem is, is he is an awful human being. Yeah. He's basically almost irredeemable. Yeah. To to the extent where like he puts people in incredibly dangerous situations in which yeah. they could die. Yeah. But it's okay because he, he means well. Yeah. And he, I mean, he makes fun of, like, the little fat kid. Right. He's, you know. Oh, the movie is racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. No need for that. In the middle of a song. My darling wife was once a he. But that was long ago. This woman turns around and she's a larger person with a full beard and is like, but that was a long, long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's every base thing about an Adam Sandler movie you can find into a made into um, an animated movie package. And, And I feel bad because I know how hard it is to make an animated film. I know how many people have to work on it. A lot of those animators... If you haven't noticed, a lot the animation looks a lot like the Iron Giant, and that's because a lot of those animators worked on the Iron Giant and then were laid off. Hmm. And so there is, you know, there is definitely a quality there that I I'm not mad at. I'm the happy these looks people, good. yeah, I'm happy these people got jobs, but I just wish they'd gotten better jobs. You know, a lot of people complain about Adam Sandler's humor being. Uh, lowest common denominator i don't even think it's lowest common denominator when it's when it's this bad it's desperate it's like desperate for a laugh well there's like a difference between being crass right and being like i mean when you're you know you're desperate for a laugh when you're gonna make some fun of someone because they're a woman because they're fat because they're gay right like that's just like okay cool like it's not funny right and so if it's like the kathy griffin thing like Anything can be funny, like, no matter how offensive you are, if it's funny, it's funny. But, like, a lot of times with Adam Sandler's movies, especially when he decided to write for himself and not, like, take direction, it's just like, oh, good, now you're making fun of a guy because he, like, has a foot that's smaller than another, or, like, has a hairy back, or whatever. Like, that's, okay, cool. Yeah. What fun, we're making fun of someone for, like, something they can't, like... I mean, it's very telling that this 
like think the first line that's not narration in the movie. By the way, movie's narrated by Rob Schneider, but then the first line that's not narration in the movie is Rob Schneider playing a stereotypical Asian man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like come come on guys, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean and I feel like I mean Rob Schneider's like confirm that he's a uh, conservative asshole anyways. But I think when he looks at that, he thinks like, why can't I do that? Why isn't it funny anymore? And it's like, it wasn't funny ever. It's just that the people you were hurting at the time didn't have the ability to vocalize how you were hurting them. There was no place for the voices to be heard. Right. There was no places for those. Exactly. There was no places for those voices to be heard. It's like, yeah, well, you've always had a fucking megaphone. And now we're able to speak our truth as well. And it's, did we mention it's a musical? Yes. Um, I will say when I watched it as a kid to up to now, I have never forgotten the song technical foul. That song is an earworm. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you don't shut the door after using the refrigerator, that's a technical foul. A technical foul. And it's my favorite part of the movie and it's the only and um so whitey has a sister and she has these big glasses and there's like this really funny gag the entire movie she's like some hoodlum stole my wig and like yeah my elizabeth taylor wig yeah like years and years ago and she always is just looking for it i think she is the funniest cutest little angel baby i will say this though if we're talking about like shitty things about the movie that wig gets returned to her. A man comes and apologizes mm-hmm. to her and gives her back the wig, and she like knocks him out. She proceeds to beat the shit out. And of her. and it's one of those things where it's just like, it feels like the message of the film is like people don't change. Like yeah. everybody's an asshole, and everybody. Yeah. And I, I like got to that after all these preceding everything that preceded it. I was just like, okay, yeah. like just end. All you need to do is go to YouTube, put in technical foul. And just listen to that song, because that song is very funny. <laughs> That's a technical foul. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't like any of it. Um, you don't like technical foul? It's not. I mean, it's fine. The I mean, Adam Sandler is a, is proven that he can write songs. That's I'm okay admitting that. Um, and that's right. Draw the line. And there's so the funny thing is, is there's so much product placement in it. And I, and I was like absolutely convinced that they, I was like, yeah, it's they not, didn't ask. They didn't ask. They, and, which fully, was the weirdest fucking thing, because then it's just like free product placement. They fully animate the panda from Panda, panda Express, Express, the toy soldiers from KB Toys, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, uh, uh, Foot Locker, Radio Shack, a, a dress from Victoria's Secret. Yeah, yeah. And, and I can only imagine. I mean, they the the companies must have been like, well, we're not fucking go up against Adam Sandler, right? Because and in in such a offensive movie, though maybe they felt like they could get away with it because the they're they're like the conscience yeah. of Adam Sandler. These like fucking weird it's it's except that like isn't like the GNC dude trying to fuck the Victoria's Secret dress? Yeah, yeah. Ugh, weird. It is, I believe to this day, one of the only PG thirteen animated films that has ever gotten nominated for a kids' choice awards. Yeah. 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 Psycho. Yeah. Not a great movie, and I feel bad once again picking the one Jewish movie on a holiday movie list, but also, if there's a good Hanukkah movie to be made, someone please make it. 
don't let this be the one. Yeah. Someone make something better than this. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, there's certainly... I remember the Rugrats episode. <laughs> yeah. Great. That's. I think that's how a lot of people learned about Hanukkah. Well... Hopefully. Yeah. Maybe. One day. One day. Or maybe there's something out there. If you guys know anything, yeah. let us know. Uh, but how can, how can we make Adam Sandler apologize for this? Anyways. <laughs> uh, let's give him an Oscar for Uncut Gems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get out of this hellscape. Let's move into our five-star reviews. My five-star review is... And I... You know, there were a couple I could have picked. There's There's... I will admit, for not being a merry gentleman, there are plenty of holiday musicals that I do enjoy. I mentioned in the good old summertime, and even though, you know, it's not fully, um, but I think the the one that I have to go with is 1992's Muppet Christmas Carol. Cute. And I think that you know I saw it at the right age. I saw the funny thing is, is the first time I saw it was teacher showed it to a yes. class. Yeah. Yes. And I, I hope. I don't know if kids are watching these anymore. I hope teachers are still playing them. Me too. Me too. I don't know if that's the truth. Um, it is from 1992. It is Brian Henson's very first film. It is the fourth Muppet movie, uh, and it's the first that was made after Jim Henson's death. It was originally sold as a TV movie to ABC, um, and they loved the script so much that they were Disney was like, we'll buy it and make it a feature film. Um, this was also, I believe, Henson's first big collaboration with Disney, uh, which 12 years later in 2004 would go on to purchase the Muppets um, because they must own, own everything. everything. <laughs> but it's, uh, as we mentioned, it's the retelling of A Christmas Carol. Everybody knows the story. Ebenezer Scrooge, he hates Christmas and he makes everybody's life miserable during Christmas because he hates Christmas. And three ghosts, uh, well, his former partner comes to visit him, this time played by two Waldorf and Statler, two former partners come to visit him and tell him he's going to be visited by three ghosts. We're going to teach him the meaning of Christmas. Ghosts to Christmas past, present, and yet to come. Uh, he wakes up the next morning, is like, oh, I haven't missed Christmas, changes his ways, everybody loves him. And it's this version's hosted by Charles Dickens, played by Gonzo, and his trusty sidekick, Rizzo the Rat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, what's great about it is, uh, first of all, I actually really like the music. When it came out, a lot of the critics panned the music. Really? Um, Paul Williams wrote all the music for it. He also wrote The Rainbow Connection for the Muppet movie. So ever, ever want to cry? Yeah, exactly. So, like, go fuck yourselves, critics. <laughs> and everyone is family. We're having so much fun. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. I think the music's really cute. I think the, the style of it, everything that you said about Muppets being integrated into society. I also like the idea that they... That the Muppets, or at least Gonzo and Rizzo, seem to be aware that they're in a movie, which yes. is actually one of my favorite things about uh, The Great Muppet Caper, is that they're aware they're in a movie. <laughs> I, and so I, I like playing with that. I think the other thing that makes that really sells the film, it's, it's a two-part thing, which is, one, Brian Henson offered the role to Michael Caine himself, and Michael Caine's stipulation was he would play the role of Ebenezer Scrooge like he was doing a royal Shakespeare production. Please, Michael Caine, please. He he was like, I'm not going to do anything silly. I'm not going to do anything Muppety. I'm going to play this like my life depended on it. And it's 
perfect. It's, it's perfect. It's a real solid role. He he he's not reacting to the fact that no. he's talking to Felt when that he, he had to walk across boards because yeah. they had to remove the floors of everything so they could have the puppeteers underneath. Yeah, when when he is yelling at Kermit, yeah. and the little rats who just want to go home for Christmas, I'm like, fuck yes. Yeah, it's almost. When he throws the reef at the bunny. Yes. <laughs> it's almost like heightened uh, emotions, though, because this is a, I mean, like, I don't want to get too deep, but like, are Muppets a minority? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like. It, it, no one talks about it. No one wants to talk about how Muppets are minorities. <laughs> but we did see the Happy Time murders, and we know. And now we know. Now we know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, there's... Michael Caine is very good. Very good. Christmas is a very busy time for us, Mr. Cratchit. People preparing feasts, giving parties, spending the mortgage money on frivolities. One might say that December is the foreclosure season. Harvest time for the moneylenders. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, it's gotten colder. Yeah. And the bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. We can't do the bookkeeping. Yeah, all of our pens have turned to inksicles. Yeah. Our assets are frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? This is my island in the sun. I believe you've convinced them once again, Mr. Scrooge. And then the other prong attack. He's respecting it. Yes. He's respecting the Muppets. And and I'll be honest, I think that's what's missing in some of their other adaptations. This this started them down a path of literary adaptations. There's Treasure Island, which is fun, but not great. There's a TV version of Wizard of Oz. And I think part of the problem is, is the the actors are like, oh, we're in a Muppet movie. We're hanging out with Muppets. And um, and I think Michael Caine hit that sweet spot of like really treating it like it's like it's a reality. I think the other thing that really works in the film is that it really respects the source material. And Muppet Christmas Carol isn't a parody, but I think the best comedic films that are based off a of serious source material, the way they work, the how they work so well is that they start by really respecting the thing that they're taking the piss out of. Right. And I think this movie does a really amazing job of using a lot of Dickens' text. Mm-hmm. And and really, because let's face it, this is a very stupid story. <laughs> I've seen so many versions of Christmas Carol, and really is, like, he is a dick, and he maybe deserves what's coming to him, but also, he's a guy who basically gets shamed into liking Christmas. Well, and, yeah. I, 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 no, he's awful. He's mistreating people. No, and he, he, is, yeah. he is. And it's... It, the story is all about like the redemptive power of Christmas. Right. It's all about like, and and I think that's why like musicals work so well with it, right? Because like, music is magic and Christmas is magic, and and you can like let go with something like yeah. In 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 these times of merriment and you know maybe loss and new things, you're an asshole would be like you know what fine like okay like let's yeah. let's for this one day. Or whatever, like, I feel changed. And maybe that's the reason, come to think of it, like, maybe that's the reason why Eight Crazy Nights doesn't work, because Davy's redemption arc isn't believable. Right. It's, you know, no. he, he gets one song sung to him after being, like, the worst guy. Because Ebenezer Scrooge is a bad person. Yeah. He's, like, not donating charity. He's, like, making people work on Christmas. But Davy is, like, endangering the public, mm-hmm. crashing into things, yeah. and, like, like, being homophobic and racist. And and yet, like, we're supposed to buy his redemptive arc because he learned something from a bunch of corporate ghosts. <laughs> and that's... 
but then you have Ebenezer Scrooge, who actually does basically is like, you're going to die alone. Everyone fucking hates you. Yeah. And there's people out here who need the things that you have. Right. I love Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. And like, oh, oh, also real quick, the one other thing I want to say too, I think it's the only Muppet movie where Miss Piggy is allowed to be vulnerable for a moment. And I think the thing that makes Miss Piggy special is she is, she's a very sensitive character. Mm -hmm. That sensitivity oftentimes comes out in rage, you know? In this film, during when the ghost of Christmas, you have to come visits him and shows him Tiny Tim has died. The first thing you see is Miss Piggy crying over the loss of her child. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was really effective because you don't really get to see her as a three-dimensional. I know I'm talking about a Muppet, guys. I know. But it it's But meaningful. it's true. You it's, don't yeah. get you don't you don't see that side but of that's, Miss Piggy a lot. And that's what I mean by treating its source material with respect. Yeah. Is that you you allow these characters to exist as they would in the original text. Totally. I one hundred percent agree. Um my a uh, five-star review goes to a Divas Christmas Carol. <laughs> yes! So, uh, a Christmas Carol across the board here yes. at Mixed Reviews. Um, I just watched this on Thanksgiving Day with some of my good Judies. This movie changed my life. No. <laughs> I watched this movie over and over again on VH1 as a... I mean, it came out in 2000, so I was uh, like 12, 13 years old. Um, oh my god, and- I'm so much older. You're not so <laughs> much older than Go me. Go on, just tell your story. For those of you who don't know, A Diva's Christmas Carol uh, was a VH1 Movies That Rock original movie that premiered on VH1. You can now find it on the Hallmark Channel. Um, it stars... Well, no, don't watch anything on the Hallmark Channel. Sorry. <laughs> it's canceled. It's canceled. Uh, cancel culture. We're taking it down. <laughs> it stars Vanessa Williams in basically proto Wilhelmina Slater mode. Yes. Um, uh, the I mean, I don't know a lot about VH1 movies that rock originals, but this is the only I've one. I've seen some. I, I th- <laughs> It just feels like... Uh, Okay, so it's a Christmas Carol. Yes. But instead of Ebenezer Scrooge, it's Ebony. Um, and she is a diva. She um, is kind of like a Barbara Streisand, maybe Diana Ross type character. She was in a group called Desire with two other women. Is this the Michelle Visage story? It is the Michelle Visage story. Um, one of the other women is played by um, Chili of TLC fame. And um, I do not know who the other woman is, but she is a good singer. Um, but she... And they was, like, it, was it Naomi Watts? It was Naomi Watts. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, what if it was? Go to our Instagram to find out that joke. Yeah. Um, she... And then she's kind of a bitch. She's a diva. She's a bitch. She's she's cutting. She's ruthless. The, the beginning of the, the movie is like her filming a, um, uh, a music video, a Christmas music video. And she ends up just like blowing a gasket and just being the ultimate diva um she she decides you know her, her accountant's like we don't have enough money for whatever and she's like we'll work through christmas what we're going on tour we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and her manager slash ex-lover maybe um is like but my kid he's dying back at home about the concert you can't have it on christmas day oh we're off christmas day your people want to go home and see their family they've got the next day off you can't do this. Well, I just did. Tickets will go on sale tomorrow morning. 
How am I going to tell everybody that there's no Christmas break? I'm sure you'll think of something. And she's like, oh, well, send them a basket. I don't know, whatever, blah. Uh, and the, 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 the thing that I love so much about this movie is that it knows exactly what it is. Um, and it is playing to its strengths, which is spoofing the music industry. And Vanessa Williams is the perfect person to yes. do all of it. Like, she is able to be this, like, high diva who um, somehow has this, like, vulnerability underneath, is able to be cut down. I believe her when the Ghost of Christmas Past, which is Kathy Griffin. I know this. With her old face. Um, <laughs> that's not a read, but when you see her, you're like, oh. I think she- Kathy Griffin would agree. Yeah. <laughs> so Kathy Griffin would be like, that's two faces ago. Yeah. Um, and she's very funny in it. She's so good. Like... Hey, isn't there any other night you can show me? Uh, there was a New Year's in 95. There oh, was right, really... that Arbor Day in 96. Woo, they're still talking. Sorry, I just do Christmas. Problem is, you're a little thin on Christmas is worth remembering. But I believe Vanessa Williams, when she goes to see her past, and she has had this really awful, tough life growing up in the projects and getting separated from her brother, uh, you know, and feeling that, like, music was the way out for her. I believe it, and I, I understand her ruthlessness comes from this space. I think they very they do a very good job of like explaining why she has become the way she is. It made me feel nostalgic for like VH1. Yeah, I'm like God. <laughs> VH1 used to be fucking cool. Um, the best part, um, the Ghost of Yet to Come, is literally a VH1 behind the music special. It is, and she's sitting in her hotel room watching it, and it's about her and how she died. And it's basically, like, Brian McKnight and a bunch of, like, talking heads who were on actual VH1 Behind the Music specials talking shit about her. And they were like, honestly, her dying was the best thing because we sold so many albums. And then, line of the century, when she goes and sees her grave, and she's like, no, not Bette Midler! (laughs) And it's literally, you were the (laughs) wind beneath my wings. So good. (laughs) It is high camp. It is so funny, so fun. Um, the full banger that is Heartquake, um, that is Desire's um, smash hit single. Uh, there's also excellent version of Sleigh Ride that, that Vanessa Williams does. If you like non-threatening rock and roll and um, pop music and Christmas and Vanessa Williams like it's all there it's just it is it is a camp classic for the holidays Amen. I love that I'm glad uh, yeah because you had texted me you were like we cannot forget a diva's Christmas girl we cannot forget a diva's Christmas girl <laughs> it shan't be forgotten no and I I mean it, truly it is Wilhelmina Slater down and uh, yeah Vanessa Williams so good I mean it, there's just so many funny moments where she's just like uh, I will say the movie does suffer from my least favorite thing in the world: bad children actor. Yeah, the tiny Tim. He's off. He sucks. Sorry, sorry. I cast him. You always no, oh, you. It was me. Was there anything else that you saw that you perhaps yeah really liked? I fucking loved Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Yeah, it's so good. Did you bring that shit back? I don't have it with me, but oh, I. You bitch. I, I, sold, <laughs> I sold it. Yeah, I sold it. <laughs> Um, no, but it's so good. It is so good. It's so sweet. I don't know what it is about Henson, but they really capture the magic of Christmas. I don't know if you guys caught that. It's Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Um, it's a, a quick little, I don't know, 45 minute? Like, yeah. It's not long. Um, the sweetest little characters, Emmett Otter, Ma Otter, 
and everyone's like there's like a weasel and a fox and they're all just like fun and cute um it's kind of old it was from the 70s isn't it yeah um it's uh basically this little story about and and this is like I don't know. I was as I was watching it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like some rural Americana <laughs> shit." And this is like the way Southern people should be. Like this is all the values of like being a good Christian during Christmas. Like that should be the truth, but like in practice, we just know isn't. And it frustrated me a lot. But the movie is very. Uh, it just captures that whole like you know. We are poor, but we are making it through, and we love each other, and we're going to take care of each other. And and the song that Ma Otter literally sings is, yeah. people will say that there's not enough for all of us, and I say that there is, and we are welcoming everyone in together, and love is going to get us through the Christmas. And I was just like, well, fuck me up, Ma Otter. Some say our world is getting too small. So many things to learn. But we'll enjoy each lesson. I say with kindness, there's room for us all. Problems don't worry us when half the fun is guessing. We talked enough about uh, Mrs. Santa Claus, but it is something I watch genuinely every year. Oh, also real quick. Uh, they're technically not even specials, they're episodes, but the two uh, community episodes mm. that I watch every year for Christmas, Abed's stop-motion animation episode and the episode where they're trying to get them all to join the Glee Club, it has maybe one of my favorite songs where Annie is trying to figure out what Christmas is as she seduces Jeff. <laughs> Teach me how to understand Christmas. Show me how to open a box. It hurts my little head when I'm lying in my bed with visions of sugar plum socks. Is this a bit? That show is too good for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think, you know, I think that's pretty good for Christmas musicals. And once again, just watch Best Little Horror House in Texas. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, you got to. Um, let's do our Mixed Reviews review. Yes. Uh, so my one-star review, as well as your one-star review, is... 2002's Eight Crazy Nights. Yes. And my five-star review is 2000's um, A Diva's Christmas Carol. And my five-star review is 1992's The Muppet Christmas Carol. Excellent. Let's hit that fast forward. I don't know if there's any other holiday musicals coming out. We talked about uh, in our zombie episode Anna and the Apocalypse. I think that's maybe the most recent holiday musical. Also a full banger. You should watch that. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, I think if there are, and I think we've sort of expressed that, if there are any coming out, there needs to be that ability to draw the audience in uh, in a way that communicates the sort of family warmth that is the holidays. Right. It feels like now everything is, like, a commodity. Yeah. And so I just realized that there definitely is Mariah Carey's animated garbage movie, All I Want for Christmas is You. Yeah. There's a documentary about that song coming out on Amazon, <laughs> and it's called Mariah Carey is Christmas. Okay. It feels like, is it crazy to think, like, that we'll probably get, you know, a Wrapped in Red movie coming right. soon? Like, or, you know... 
it feels like now everything needs to like have a you know a jumping off point like something that's already proven a proven success i don't know how many people are out there writing modern christmas songs um much and it's and it's a hard game to get into the only modern christmas song i can think of that has made it in a popular way is mariah carey's all i want for christmas is you yeah i mean well that's that song specifically probably is like an anomaly right right like that's one of the the most popular Christmas songs of all time. I think even like you know other less popular but still popular you know like Kelly Clarkson's original music that she put out a couple years ago, Sia's new original Christmas music that she put out last year. There is like an Elf musical now, like that. Yeah, runs every and it is, season and it is for... interesting to see that uh, all these movies now get that musical adaptation. There's also a couple years ago they did a live version of a Christmas story, the musical with Anna Gasteyer, yeah. and uh, she's really the only person I can remember those. And Matthew My Broderick, Ru- My yeah, Rudolph wasn't it? My Rudolph. So it's interesting to see all of these sort of properties move into this musical realm as well. And it's funny because the Elf musical, I believe, for a while was playing every yeah. Christmas time on Broadway. There was a Broadway version of White Christmas. That was playing for a while, a Holiday Inn as well. And so it's interesting to see these movies get the Broadway treatment and they're getting more towards them and less to the theaters. Right. I wish, I mean, so like uh, on Netflix, there's so much. I mean, it, yeah. Even on like Lifetime and Hallmark and all that, like they had, there's like a, a deluge of holiday movies. Um, and I almost w- wonder, like, man, like they're. I'm sure there are a lot of opportunities, or I wonder if, like, is there a way to make a medium, smaller scale version of, you know, because a lot of the movies that we discussed were full, big productions yeah. um, that take a lot to get going. I mean, even um, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas started off as a Broadway show and then became a movie, and they're a little bit different from each other. They're not like, exactly yeah. the same. Because I think there still is an audience for holiday um comfort and joy type things i think we certainly there are movies that we didn't mention that aren't musicals about you know getting home for christmas time and time and yeah all of that stuff but i think it's like a very weird time for musicals in general yeah you know and so i can only imagine like <laughs> something so niche and then going even more niche um getting that off the ground and finding success but I don't know. There's something, and maybe it's also just because, like, because it's so nostalgic filled. Like, there's so much love and goodwill towards what we already have. It's hard to try and like enter that canon. It's it's kind of like writing a new Christmas classic. You know, it's like it's hard because there's already so many good. Th- how how do you replicate um, White Christmas? How do you replicate right. I'll Be Home for Christmas? Like, you cut out the racist numbers. You cut them out. The, racist- <laughs> well, the, the thing I'm thinking of is like, did you see? Uh, there's like a new like teen Netflix Christmas movie called Let It Snow. Yes, I did not see it. I saw it. And I was, Christmas movies ain't my jam. <laughs> right. Teens, not your jam. Um, I watched it and I was like, this could be a musical. Like, this easily could be, you know, a very simple little... Yeah. And, like, there's so many talented people. And I... Uh, but, I mean, God, fucking writing a musical in itself. I know. So hard. You you can't just write one memorable song. You have to write ten memorable songs. But also, I mean, like a lot of the movies you talked about, like there's only one, there's one Christmas number. Right. Everything else can just be whatever. But uh, if you can get the one Christmas song, and and but like man, 
everyone loves that Christmas song, you know? Like, if you can fucking figure out that formula. Ugh. Yeah. It's a hard one to crack. A hard I think I, I guess that's maybe in our in our in conclusion is that uh, doing a Christmas musical, creating a memorable moment, not so easy. So hats off to the ones that yeah. have been able to. I mean, and that's kind of like our five star reviews kind of prove the point. We both yeah. picked Christmas carols, right? Um, original takes for sure. But, yeah, but if uh, you can stick that landing, God bless you. May all everyone. Your yeah, <laughs> may your days be very <laughs> and bright. <laughs> So thank you, everybody, for listening to us throughout the year. Mm-hmm. This is our final episode of 2019. Uh, we'll be back at the beginning of the year with our year in review that we do every year. Uh, but thank you, everybody, seriously, for coming back week after week and, yeah. and listening to the show and, and being really supportive of us. And the I thing hope that you we guys do. are having a fun, yeah. um, stress-free, or as, as stress-free as it can be, yeah. time of the year. I Whatever you celebrate... You know, it doesn't have to be Christmas. Trust me. It definitely doesn't have to be Christmas. But if you do, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Happy Kwanzaa. Hug uh, someone you love for us. And um, maybe hug us a little bit online. Yeah. Uh, you can find us all sorts of places. Oh, absolutely. You can write to us on Twitter at, at the Mixed Reviews. You can find us on Facebook. Just write in the Mixed Reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram the underscore mixed underscore reviews and you can listen to us so many places we are on apple podcasts we are on stitcher we are on google play music we are on iHeartRadio. we are on spotify mm-hmm. and if you do listen to us on apple podcasts please go and leave us a five-star rating and write us a review we'll read it on the show it's the time of year for gift giving give us that gift and we'll give it back to you, I promise. And also, keep an eye, a lookout for our Twitter poll that will come out soon. Absolutely. And if we missed any movies, I'm sure we did. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some Christmas musicals that we didn't even think of. Yeah, so holla back at us, girl. <laughs> That's a reference that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is this? 2007? <laughs> I wish! Um, <laughs> that, that explains all that Harajuku makeup. By the way, that is cultural appropriation. I know. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really do appreciate you. And we're just going to go sip on some eggnog. We'll see you in 2020. Bye. Bye.